All right. It's our last service of the year. Since we're not going to have service on the 26th and the new year hits, I think on like the second or third is when that Sunday will be. But as is kind of like our custom as a house, one thing that I like to do a lot of times is um, kind of go into a place where we cast vision for the next year. And I'm not even thinking that so much as a church as I am as, as individuals, because the end of the year to me is just a really beautiful time to kind of reflect on all the things that the Lord has done and what he's brought us through, the, the doors that he's opened, but also even the doors that he's closed, the closure that he's brought. And, you know, it says in Psalm 100 verse 4 that we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And when we come before the Lord with a thankful heart, that is an access point. But it also causes us to enter into his gates in a sense of uh, entering into his presence with a heart of thanksgiving. And it enables us to see things from his perspective. Because there's one thing you learn in this life, the Christian walk especially, is so many things are, are about perspective. You know what I mean? And um, uh, seeing things optimistically through the lens of the goodness of God causes the goodness of God to be manifest in your life. And um, this, is, this is our reality. So today, what I wanted to do for a message is I was kind of thinking back to some of the, uh, kind of the most potent major themes that I feel like as a body, the messages, because, you know, I pray about these things. I don't get them from like you know, pastors today or, you know, Charisma Magazine or something like that, you know. Yeah, I kind of pray about what I'm supposed to be speaking about, you know. That's kind of how this works. And so I'm looking back at kind of the theme of what the Lord's kind of had for us as, as a house this year. And it really seems to be the identity and the goodness of who God is. And as I was looking back, um, I felt like even some of those messages and a lot of them, they've all kind of come back into the reality of God's identity, his person, his goodness. And almost every single one ends up going in that direction, pointing to him. Because we truly believe the 2 Corinthians 3.18, that the more we see him without a veil over our face, without, you know, a misconception through through some type of filter or grid, the more we see him as he truly is, the more our lives are transformed to reflect him the more we become who we are is by seeing him as he is. We're the only religion in the world, and I know that's a taboo word, religion, but we're the only one that we are transformed not by something that we do, you know? It's by the one whom we see because of what he's done. And we see him in his kindness and his goodness and his essence throughout the Old and the New Testament. When theology is pure and the Bible's taught well and we see this thing without the grid of something we've been taught, maybe a misconception, maybe experience of our old family or father or stepfather or coach or mom or whatever it is. But when we stop uh, presupposing, pre, I don't know if that's the right word, but you know, putting a face to him that's not his and actually start to see him as he is, it unlocks things within us. And that's 2 Corinthians 3.18. That's what it's talking about. Glory to glory. That's what it actually looks like. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty says that too right there you know it's freedom and function and liberty comes from beholding him and seeing him as he truly is entering into relationship with him and so um today's message really i'm going to highlight on some things that have been major themes for us um uh over the year but also it's meant 
to look into the Scriptures as always and to shine light on the goodness and kindness of the God in whose image we've been created, you know, um, which in doing so, um, I believe will reinforce to people that they can actually trust in Him. You know what I mean? We can actually trust in the Lord. It was one of our young bucks, uh, you know, we, we finished up our year, one of our Bible studies for the year this past week. And everyone was kind of talking about what this specific book, I think probably 30 or so people read this book this time. Uh, and people were talking about what the book really did for them in their perspective. And one of the, the young whippersnappers says, says something to the extent of, reading this book, I've, I've, I've believed that God was good. And behind the scenes, he was working things for the good. But this actually comes and like makes it manifest to me. And I can see that for myself. And um, there's something so beautiful in that reality. There's, there's something Jesus said in Luke 12, 31. And it's the same that he said in, in Matthew 6, 33, but he adds a little tag to the end of it. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? And all these things you need will be added to you. But in the Luke 12 version, Luke 12, 31, at the end he says, but have no fear, little flock, because it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And it's so interesting. There's something um, some would say, and I've heard it said before, people that have taught me when I was young, that trust is the highest form of faith. And there's something to that Jesus saying, seek first the kingdom and all these things that you need will be added to you. In other words, go fully all in on the voice of the Lord and his, and his purposes. And all that you need will be added. Don't fall into the trap of fear of hustling for your position or to have not to be in lack in life. Seek first the kingdom and let him bring those things to you. But then he adds that, but have no fear, little flock, because it's his good pleasure to give it to you. Like, don't buy into the lie that if you go all in with him, you're going to be left in lack or you're going to miss out because it's not true. And that's Jesus really emphasizing trust, trust in the goodness of your dad. He's not the mean one and he's not playing a trick as so many think. And so one thing we've done a lot this year, I would say, and it's a theme, people have even used it with me or, or used the quote with me. Uh, I think I kind of coined, but the, just the reality that God is not bipolar. You know, mm -hmm. there's not a different God in the Old Testament than there is in the New Testament. Amen. You know, there's not the savage, vengeful um, God who, who, who demands bloodshed in order for him to forgive, which is actually not forgiveness. That's a payment. You know what I mean? You know. And the Father and the Son, they're not in this different phase where the Son is, is, is holding the Father's wrath back that He wants to pour on all of us. But His, his, his savage, pagan type of Father is demanding the sacrifice and taking out of the Son. And man, this understanding this through the Scriptures, I've seen unlock more people this year, both in our house and people that listen to these messages, than probably anything in 2021. It's been the most potent, profound um, message, I would say, and it bleeds in, pun intended, to, to everything yeah. in the scriptures. And so today I wanted to start that reality of a, of a statement that I love to make, which is, is sometimes controversial, but is that Jesus is God. Amen. Yeah, that's a good news, isn't it, Vincent? Yeah, man. 
He's actually God. Not God with the little g. Not Ricky Bobby's baby Jesus, little g God. He's actually the embodiment of Yahweh, you know. And when we look back at the Bible, our, the book of John and the book of Genesis overlap one another. Like John is the new Genesis for us as Christians. And it was very, very much meant to be that way. Because we know what the book of Genesis says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. So here you have Genesis 1.1 and John 1, 1-3, saying the exact same thing. But it's very much a point to us. John, the beloved, the one who laid his head on Jesus' bosom, on his chest at the Last Supper, the, one, the only one who went through the cross of the Lord Jesus, Right? Son, your mother, mother, your sons, what he tells him about Mary at the very end, you know, even though he had brothers, which is crazy, you know. The only one who, through history, was never recorded as dying, didn't die a martyr's death, and quite possibly didn't die. That's controversial, but, you know, it's just what it is, because he went through the cross, and he lived. The Fox of Book, Book of Martyrs, it says that he was actually boiled in order, in oil, Amen. to kill him. And he came up out of the water, I mean the oil, the cauldron, whatever that medieval thing was. And he's not, he doesn't even have a slight sunburn or nothing. He was fine. So they could not kill John. And so they had to exile him, not to Australia, but to Patmos, a different island where they used to exile people. And that's where he writes the book of Revelation, where he literally sees the Lord Jesus. Right? Have you ever read Revelation? I mean, without the fear of the end times. But just look at it as Jesus' best friend showing up and seeing Jesus for the first time in his glorified state in a real profound way with eyes of fire and feet like brass, you know, all these different things in his priestly role around the seven lampstands and all these different things. Saying things like, I am the Alpha and the Omega who was and isn't is to come. You know, I was dead and I'm alive. Like, Wait a second, what? What are your what? And John, the most comfortable, the most friendly with Jesus, falls down limp like he's dead. The closest to Jesus. He's just overpowered by the whole scene, you know. And then John comes back from that, you know, trippy book that he writes on the, from the Isle of Patmos, this vision, panoramic, several visions, and he releases the book of Revelation. And then in mine and many people's opinion, he writes the last book of the Bible, which is the Gospel of John. The last one to ever be written, quite possibly. You know. And he starts it off with saying, hey, by the way, just so it doesn't get lost, Jesus is God. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, was God. I mean, I'm sorry, John 1.1. And it's just like he, he overlaps Genesis 1. In the beginning, God was there, and He was the Creator with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and He was also God. 
And not only that, in him was life, and all things were made through him, and nothing without him was made that was made. In other words, he, the Word, is the Creator. So John's coming back, and he's wanting to lay something down. Very important. The person who was the closest to him, something that unlocks everybody that hears this, they start to realize, like, oh my gosh, if you've been indoctrinated with that bipolar fear of who God is, the relief, I can speak for, for myself, especially when I came upon this, to realize, like, I could trust Jesus, but the God, but Father, like, he kind of scary. Not so sure I'd be all that comfortable with him. Lucky I'll be inside of the Lord Jesus somehow and, and safe from him, right? You know? But in reality, when you start to see, like, like what Jesus' half-brother said, James, in him there is no variance or shadow or turning. James is saying, hey, like, the Jesus that we're talking about, who is God, there's no variance, there's no shadow, there's no turning. There's no Father God behind Jesus' back that manifests something other than what Jesus manifests. For God loved the world that He gave the Son. Not because He wanted to punish somebody and take something out, you know what I'm saying? It was the love of God and the love of Jesus. Like, there, this is inseparable in the person of God. He's not bipolar, didn't have a change of mind. Part of the Trinity wasn't holding the other part back. You know what I'm saying? And these little roots of belief poison people's minds to be afraid of truly giving their life to Him in a real way. I'm not saying giving your life, you know, saying the sinner's prayer, whatever that kind of stuff is, not biblical. But, you know, I'm saying giving our life and our essence and our trust to Him to give Him the keys to steer it, to direct us to wherever we're called to be or whatever we're called to do, you know what I'm saying? To really give Him the keys to our heart, to let Him touch the places sometimes that are broke, you know, where there's pain. Thinking He's going to humiliate us or something like that. It's like the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness, Jesus manifesting God in Matthew 10, literally saying, come to me all who are weary and heavy and I'll give you rest. You'll find rest for your souls. Why? Because I am gentle and I'm humble. I'm lowly in heart. This is the essence of who God is. Even the Father. You know what I'm saying? The whole, the whole shebang. God is gentle. He is kind. He is welcoming. He is covering. You know, He is the father of the prodigal who comes and he falls on the neck of the, of the son who wasted his, his livelihood on prostitutes, parties, and drugs and whatever else. And he loves him and he covers him. And at the end of the story of the prodigal son, he's on the outside in what we would call outer darkness, pleading with the older son to come back in to the party. He's after everyone. God loves everybody. And we're not excluded from that. And that's good news, man. You know what I mean? It's like, it's such good and beautiful news. Jesus is actually God, and God is not a dysfunctional family, you know? You know, Genesis 1 goes on, and what does it say? Uh, Genesis verse 3 and 4. So we, we see God created the heavens and the earth, and that's Jesus, yes? Jesus was actually with God, but he also was God at the same time. That's a mind bender. Yeah, God's a family. Um, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and he divided the light from the darkness. Pretty simple things there. Genesis 1, verse 3 and 4. 
God said, let there be light, and there was light, and he divided the light from the darkness. So then John, a.k.a. a commentary on Genesis, really, you know what I mean? Through the lens of the Lord Jesus, what, is, what does John say next? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Yes, he was the creator. It says, in him his life, and his life was the light of men. Let there be light. And the light shines in the darkness, And the darkness does not overcome it. So here you have verse 4 and 5 of John, and it just is layering right over the book of Genesis, verse 3 and 4. God said, let there be light, and there was light. He saw that the light was good, and he divided the light from the darkness, you know. You go back to John, and John is saying the same thing. Jesus is the light. In him was life, and his life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. It does not understand it. It does not overcome it. There's a separation there. And see, I think this is the beauty of what the Lord's done in our house this year, or to a lot of people that have been here and listened to these, is they're starting to see that John is making a point, the closest to walk with the Lord Jesus, is making the point of Genesis, but he's going into it with commentary that's, that's enlightened, Because he's seen it through the lens of God, through the face of the Lord Jesus, without the veils. You know what I mean? And he's literally saying like, hey, listen, it is God's desire to divide the light from the darkness. You know what I mean? This is not, you know, it's not talking about days and nights. Days and nights wasn't until like, I think the sun wasn't until like day four. Which makes you kind of think like, if there wasn't solar days until day four, then how was the earth created in seven solar days? I don't know. You better ask Bill Nye, the science guy, about that. Because that's, that's a hot, that's a hot, and uh, could Jesus have done it in seven days? Yeah, but are those seven days what it was? Doesn't sound like it, but I mean, maybe it is. So if you're offended by that, wait till you hear the next line I got for you. No, just kidding. But you know, it's just like, man, sometimes we don't know what we don't know, and it's okay. But we need to major on the one we're supposed to know. And the beautiful thing about knowing him is it'll bear the fruit of knowing him in your life, which is freedom. You know what I'm saying? It's like we can be an expert in martial art and get our get our tails kicked every single day. You know what I mean? It's like what good is it to be an expert in something if you're not actually succeeding in the life? And it's not bearing fruit, but ask me what I think about that later. I mean, you know. In him was light, and so there's something John is doing, and I feel like it's something that's been done in our body. It's like, it's like really differentiating who God truly is, him being manifested as the good one. I mean, all through the Old Testament, if, even if I just look back on my old teachings, I went through the list of the podcast or something like that, like how many times is he manifesting himself, and it's so contrary to what everyone thought he was like. Everybody thought they were going to die when they met him. Gideon, like, I'm going to die. <laughs> God does come back, like, because he talked to him face to face. You're not going to die. Like, I want to advance you. I want to promote you. You know, Jacob wrestles him around, like, oh, my gosh, I might die. I just wrestled, I wrestled him face to face. Calls, ends up playing, calling the place Peniel because God is peace. It's like, no, you don't have to be afraid of me. And he renames him. You know, all these different people that meet him are always, through the Old and through the New Testament, so shocked at his kindness and his goodness. Because the poison of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil has spread through mankind and it's caused us to to superimpose something on him that he never was. You know? Sew up a bikini, Eve. Sew it up real quick. Sew me up a mankini because we're naked and we got to hide from him and 
God's like, who told you you're naked? Why are you hiding from me? Like, why, why all of a sudden am I the ju- judgmental towards you? Could it be that you've been the one that has changed from the fruit that you've eaten? And now you're superimposing. I'm saying that word a lot. I hope it's just not terrible making me sound like an idiot. But it's like now we're superimposing that, that view of God on him towards us, you know, which was never there, which is not there. Colossians 1 says we were alienated and enemies of God in our minds before Jesus. Does that mean we were really alienated and enemies of God? Or does it mean that we were alienated and enemies of God in our own brains, in our minds that we thought we were? Yeah, the love of God is consistent and is pure and is good, you know, and it unlocks us to be who we're called to be, who we actually truly are. It's a beautiful thing. There's something to this as well. I want to look at maybe uh, Jeremiah the 17th chapter real quick. We're, you know, as we're going towards close, uh, before we hit our, our New Year's questions, which I always like to do. But there's something, speaking of that tree in the garden, the two different trees, which even represent two family trees and two, two views of God, one being the knowledge of good and evil, a bipolar, judgmental view of God that came through the poison of that tree. But Jeremiah um, 17, verse 5 through like 8, so it's three, four, four verses there, talks about how when we see God accurately, when we see Him as He truly is, it, it causes us to live in, by faith because we trust in Him, and that will cause us to bear fruit in anything that, that this world throws at us. But that when we see God through a vision that's actually poisoned, that's, that's not accurate. It causes us to be afraid of him. And so we do things to live in our own strength. And that is like a tree that's planted in a desert. Yeah. So Jeremiah 17 verse five says, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord for he shall be like a shrub in the desert and he shall not see when good comes. But he shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. That doesn't sound very good, but the key word there is trust. Cursed is the one who trusts in his own strength, trusts in man. But blessed, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree who's planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and it will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and he will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will he cease from yielding fruit. Here we have two theological views, one both religious, both versions of, I'll air parentheses, air quote, Christianity, but yielding completely and totally different fruit in our life. One is not seeing God accurately as he truly is and so does not trust him and trust in his own flesh and in his own strength. It says his heart departs from the Lord. And I love the contrast. The first plant, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, really, that departs from the Lord will be like a shrub that's in the desert and doesn't see when good comes. And I I think that's so interesting. One doesn't see when good comes, where the other one is the one who trusts in the Lord, shall be like a tree who's planted by the waters, the very river of life, 
which spreads its roots out by the river and will not fear, will not have anxiety when the heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious, anxious in the year of drought, nor cease bearing fruit. And like that's, that is the Christian life of one who knows the Lord in a real way, you know? And the contrast there is like the one who trusts in his flesh and in his strength and not in the Lord is actually doesn't see when the good comes. In other words, the goodness and the blessing that God wants to add to their life, no matter the circumstances of this plastic world, the climate of the economy or anything else, he wants them to grow and thrive. They cannot see it because they're so, they're so looking for the judgment and that which is going to wreck them. They have a, an outlook on life of what's going to take me out next. And so they're on their own. They feel like they're on their own. And so they're protecting the what they do have. Whereas those who trust in the Lord, who abide in the goodness of God, they actually might actually have the bad come. They might actually, when it's leaf screened, they won't be anxious in the year of drought. When so some, something traumatic or dramatic does happen, the, the economic or spiritual climate, whatever it is, it is, it is a drought year, but they don't even realize it because they're not living according to the, to the laws of this plastic world. Their heart is in a different economy. You know? Their mood isn't based on the, the situations of this life. You know? Their fruit comes out of them because their roots are planted in something heavenly that's more real. And this is the prayer of Jesus that he, given, that he gives to us as Christians, our Father who art in heaven, God's Abba, you know. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth in and through us on this earth. You know what I mean? There's something of the family business that we're actually called to abide in, in a spiritual reality that manifests itself in the world, y'all. You know what I mean? And it is rooted in actually just realizing how good God is. Actually having our trust in Him. I've never seen somebody, and I've been on both sides of these tracks, for real, you know what I mean? But I've never seen somebody trust in the goodness of God that has been disappointed. Like He turns everything to good. He, he can flip every script. But He's called us to walk, and this is what you know, the Christian life is like, we, we want to say like, go and make disciples. It's like, we're not going to do like, go to the park and pass out tracks and try to get people to come to Hoff and all these things. Like, I just don't believe in these things. Like, but it's like the true Christian life is like, is the cultivation of heaven in our life and in our families in a way that the world wants what we have. Amen. Like go and make disciples is not like, let's turn this into like, we need to just go tell people they're going to hell, go to hell when they burn forever. Take a few scriptures out of context. We'll scare them. Then they'll join our club. And maybe give us money. Keep our club going. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, okay, that's one way to do it. Or we could live in this way by trusting in the Lord with our life. By living with Him as our first love. Like setting time to actually know the Lord, to be in the, to be in the scriptures and to talk back and forth to Him to connect to his voice. Let him, as the shepherd does, lead us into all truth and let the wholeness in life of heaven be our life. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. So we're not just, oh, you know, it's, it's hard, but it's good, brother, amen, you know, but at least the last days are here. You know what I mean? Just this weird, twisted thing. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, but imagine like being happy and having joy 
and having light and having hope. That's what real apologetics is. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you. Now, we've, we've kind of taken that and turned it into a class where you can learn how to debate people. Do they believe in once saved, always saved or not? You know, these, these really silly types of things. But it's like always you have to be ready to give an answer for the level of hope and joy that is in your life. In other words, like, hey, the Lord calls us to rise and shine and manifest heaven on earth. And people are going to want to know what we've got. That's the way this thing is supposed to work. That's make disciples. When they said go speak the good news as far as make disciples, it wasn't tell them like, you're going to burn. You're going to burn, boy. You better turn. It was never this. It was actually seeking the kingdom first, the light and love of God, which would actually be manifested in our life. And not only that, the power of His Spirit, which would be manifest to demonstrate that the ruler of this world had been judged. Jesus literally said that in John 16. It's like, people, people don't know, people aren't going to know that I defeated Him and all the principalities and powers. But my spirit in you will demonstrate that the ruler of this world has been judged. Like you're going to rise above the cap that the enemies tried to put on all people. The whole world is addicted to things just to be happy. Name it. doesn't even have to be drugs and alcohol. It's everything else, caffeine and food, whatever you want to call it. Every, anything, you know what I mean? But imagine, imagine needing nothing because your joy is real and it's in the Lord. I know that can sound scary to some people. You know, you might listen to this message and be like, oh my gosh, that makes me nervous. Da, da, da. But it's like, man, the, everything that shakes isn't of the kingdom. And the Father is gentle and good and kind. You know what I mean? But Hebrews 12 says, we're inheriting a kingdom that can't shake. And so to, to put your heart and your trust in Him and let Him lead you into wholeness and freedom, there's no better way than this, man. There's no better way than this. 1 Peter 5 says that like, if, if we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, He will exalt us in due time. And I love that scripture because you know, that scripture is really kind of talking about when we don't have our trust in the Lord, we see other people as threats. We see them as competition. You know what I mean? Because one, we're living in a place of lack, or two, like we want a position so bad, but we see other people like they're going to step into the position I'm called. But in reality, in the Lord, we all have position. We all have function. We all, like the keys to our hearts were knit into our hearts before time and space. You know what I'm saying? He has the keys to the things that make us tick and thrive. And He has it for everybody. And 1 Peter 5, you know, Peter's literally saying like, don't be like those who are actually backbiting disrespectful and all these other things, but humble yourself under God, under His mighty hand, and He, and he will exalt you in due time. He says, um, casting all your cares upon Him because he, because he actually cares for you. It's like learning to live in this exchange of the pressures and, and anxieties that we encounter in this life. Just like it's saying there in Jeremiah 17, they won't be anxious in the year of drought. When we feel the anxiety, when we feel these things that are not the nature and the fruit of our God, you know what I mean? They're rooted in seeing Him in a way that He's not. And we can trust, like, this scripture is literally saying, like, He actually has plans of function. He has position. He has, he has blessing. He has a place for us to function. Family, friends, relationships, all these different things. He's got them, dude. I've never seen Him not come through. And it's like, Humbling ourselves before Him and casting our anxieties and fears upon Him is the very act of trusting in God. It's the very act of uh, Jeremiah 17, of trusting a God 
who's not bipolar, who is the Lord Jesus, and a father and a son who, who there's no variance or shadow between them. There's no differentiation. Well, he's smiling, but I know if I come home, dad might not be so happy. You know what I mean? It's like, this isn't real. This is the house we were raised in, but that's not the Bible. And, and you know I won't do it, but you know I can do it all day. I can do this all day. We can skip lunch. We can fast today if y'all want. I can just do that all day long. But I'm not going to do that because I'm nice, trying to be kind like the Father is. Yeah. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It's like, listen, man, don't lend your mouth to the enemy to backbite to talk negatively, to get in a place in competition. But instead, humble yourself under God's hand. Trust that He has your place and nobody's going to take it from you. He has your provision. You can be diligent in your work and the things that He puts before you, but He's going to take care of you if you're following His voice. Seek first the kingdom and have no fear, flock, because he, he's, it's His good pleasure to give it to us. And this is the trust of a God who's not wishy-washy. He's not bipolar. He doesn't change His mind on us. You know, the love of God's been settled. It says Jesus was crucified, it says in Revelation, before the foundations of the earth. And it sounds really mystical and like, well, this happened outside of time and space, brother. You know what I mean? It kind of is like that too. But at the same time, what it's saying is like, this thing was settled before you were even here. His love for you, he never had to make a choice. He already knew. He already was down for you. He already loved you that level. There's nothing, there's, there's, there's no one that's, that, you know what I mean? It's... it's it honestly is, is it's insanity not to trust him and to give him everything. And what I mean everything, I mean just the keys to your heart and your life, you know. And this is a God that it's, it's like exciting to actually spend time with. Amen. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you're not worried. He's like, oh, he's going to poke on those things that I don't want him to touch on. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so what if he does bring something up? Guess what? He wants you free and whole, man. Because he wants you to shine like a light that manifests his freedom and his light and his healing and his wholeness to everybody. Yeah, dude. He's not, he's not the evil taskmaster. He's the good guy. He is. He gave the parables, you know, the parable of the talents. He gives them all those talents. The ones who are faithful with talents, they doubled their amount of talents and he let them keep the ones he gave them and the talents. Like it, it's never been about him. It's always been for us. He's always been that selfless. It's beautiful. All right, I think I've made my point, or at least I feel, feel okay about it. I'll say that. Um, so as is our custom at the Tyler House of Faith, faith um, I like to end the year, and since this will be our last one of the year, um, oh man, I was supposed to do a Christmas message today. Just realized that. Oops. Oh well, we do have a Christmas service, so that's cool. Um, Friday night. But I'm probably not talking, so, so I'm off the hook. All right, the questions for everybody, okay? And if you want to write these in the notes of your phone, I'll, you know, this will go on the podcast too, so you know, listeners there, you can always hit that little 15-second cut back and listen to that, you know? Um, but the questions for the new year, this is designed to give us hope and vision with a heart of thanksgiving, you know, that imparts... Uh, it, it draws people into relationship and, and, and imparts a vision for the future, okay? So that's the goal of this. But So the questions, and these are uh, with a heart of thanksgiving. Um, so to make a little bit of a list, 
All right, and here's, here's the way the questions or the list goes. Um, list the things which he has added to you this year. So I guess if you're writing, I, you know, you might write, what has the Lord added to me this year? Um, that's pretty simple. What has he added to me this year? This always blesses me like big time when I, when, when I, when I connect to him like this because when you, when you review the things that he's added and taken, you end up seeing such a theme of, of his agenda for your life. So the things, what are the things that he's added to me this year? And I, I've got a number one and a number two under this. Number one would be the things in the natural. I would say um, that could be friendships. Um, that's a, that could be degrees. You know, Anthony, he's out of town. He, he's got his nursing degree. You know what I'm saying? Hannah got her bachelor's degree. You know, all, you know it could be anything just natural. It could be a new job, maybe a promotion at job, maybe a house, you know, uh, just provision. It, it could be just natural things. Um, but also spiritual things, things that are spiritual. And to me, that's like, what truth have you been established in this year? Um, understanding that you've gained. And that's great, because even like right now, the way I've kind of done this message a little bit, it was more about doing the questions, but it was like, man, what's the, some of the foundational truth for our house that's been so important for so many people? It's, oh yeah, that's God's not bipolar, and you can, you can prove that through almost any book not almost every single book of the Bible, um, the manifestation of who Jesus is as God. But, um, but things that are spiritual, is there, is, has there been understanding that has unlocked you? You know, um, truth that you've been established in, like, I didn't know this, this has been so big for me this year. All right, the second question, I guess that's two because it's kind of part, um, have there been weights or hindrances that he's removed from your life this year? Um, Weights or hindrances that he's removed. This could be things that we were carrying that were unnecessary. Maybe it was image. You know what I mean? Like, wow, the Lord took me through some real deliverance of understanding of my acceptance in him, and I don't have to live in order to show or prove something. That's a major weight. You know what I'm saying? Um, it could be anything that he's removed. And that, that could even be closure. Has the Lord brought closure to some things this year? Maybe there were issues in the past. Maybe there are situations you went through, but it's like the Lord's kind of closed that door and I can move on there. You know, whatever it is. Maybe it's even toxic relationships. Like, hey, I'm, I'm not, I've learned to draw a boundary and I'm not there anymore. These are just ideas, but I know they'd be hitting. Um, yeah. So those are the first two questions. In the last one, um, it's sometimes we'll call it we'll just write why but to expound that would be to the Lord you're in remember you're in a thanksgiving for these things Lord you've brought me through this you brought me through maybe something tough maybe something beautiful that you've added maybe some of, some of the natural things you know what I'm saying I refinanced my house and now my payments are low I mean, it could be simple things like that but just list and don't limit and just watch the heart of Thanksgiving hit of like, wow, the goodness of God has been surrounding my life. Um, and even the hard things that you've been delivered through. Maybe there's certain things that aren't fully done yet that you know I'm walking through this healing, but I still have some of the burn. And that's all right, as long as you're connected to him in it. 
because he wants to pull you all the way through. And he is, and he will. He's very faithful to do that. Um, but the last question, um, the why, uh, uh, what are you positioning me for? Or what are you preparing me for? And that's a beautiful one because you get in those first few questions and you're like, you know, you see your heart with thanksgiving. You see all these, you know, like Daniel LaRusso, the wax on, wax off. I was waxing on cars and painting the fence and all those things. Uh, that's an 80s movie. Some of y'all are too young for all that. But, you know, his teacher was training him and equipping him for a great fight and a great victory that he was going to be having. Like, I didn't even know I was training that whole time. But when you start to look at the good things and even some of the hard things, you realize you've been doing something in my heart and you've been with me. I didn't think I was going to make it this year, and I did, and I'm still here, and you're, and you're not done. You know, these beautiful things of him, you start to see him in it, and it causes you to connect. Remember, that Psalm 104, we enter his gates with thanksgiving. This is a spiritual principle. This is not like, you know, take the red pill and, you know, shaman or ayahuasca. You know, this is like, hey, like a heart of thanksgiving causes us to go into his presence, which we're never out of, by the way. But it positions us outside of the carnal mind, which is negative and complaining and, and sees things like him. And then that last question, what is it that you've been preparing me for? What do you have for me this year? It's like, wow, you were good to me last year. And I know that you're never going to stop being that way. And I know that it's not just about me. It's about the lives of people that I'm going to touch. You know. So what is it that you're preparing me for? And, and, and what are you positioning me for? I know a lot of people have been repositioned this year in many different ways, spiritually, physically, uh, geographically, some in church or whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, where does the Lord have you? Is he position you in a place? And maybe try to start thinking like, hey, why? What are you training me for? What are you wanting me to learn? What are you growing me in? And this, this you guys, is what I, I like to take this last week or so of the new year and it's really a way of casting vision. And it's not a test. You know, we're not going to come and let me read your list, James. Bring it on up here. <laughs> you know what I mean? This isn't anything for anybody but you and the Lord to foster that connection with him. But um, it does something, man. And um, the reality that he has function and vision for our lives. That's the Jeremiah 29. Everyone loves that scripture like I have plans for you, plans for hope and for a future. The reason he had to say that is because people don't believe it, you know? And the reality is we can actually partner with the, with the hope by being in a thankful heart and connect to what he has for us and see that he wants promotion. He wants advancement. He wants wholeness in our hearts because it's not even just about us. Amen. It's about the people that he's caused us to, to, to impact, you know? So yeah, yes, function and vision for your life, coming into remembrance with thanksgiving often causes us to have vision. And when we have that, we can be intentional to follow through. This is the walk of faith. The walk of faith is progressive and it is, it is the walk of follow through. And this is something I see, if, you know, I've been pastoring this church almost 10 years now and it was before that some too. But follow through can be the missing ingredient to success in this life. Those who have trouble with follow-through, they, they, they hate things like accountability. They're, they're spotty, they're wishy-washy, but they go around the same mountains over and over again. They're the same person year after year almost with little to no growth, you know what I mean? But there's something to, to signing up. Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd. It's like, I'm committed to following him, to my life being about whatever he has it to be about. 
to me being involved with whatever, you know what I'm saying? To my relationships being the ones that actually push me to the Lord, that connect to the Lord, you know what I'm saying? Rather than, you know, you, you kind of catch, catch, catch the vibe. I asked myself one question, and this is for me, but I will share it with you. And I say that just so that you don't feel like I'm slapping nobody right now, because I'm not. One last question for those who are writing these. I know these are taking a long time to get through, but the last one I wrote, I said, do I limit the release of God's goodness into my life by my expectations? And um, do I limit the release of God's goodness into my life by my expectations? I never want to be those like, um, and I have been in the past, through poor theology or whatever else, like the, like the, the tree that trusts in his own strength. He's expecting the negative to come, the judgment to come. And so he does not see when good comes, is what it says there in Jeremiah 17. Remember that? Like, that's an aspect of that. And it's like, man, I can't imagine my expectation being off theologically or even in my belief of who God is in such a way that I don't position myself in alignment with him in order to receive what he has. I position myself to avoid what I think he's going to possibly throw at me or the devil is. And, and because of that, I'm out of alignment. I don't step into the goodness. And so that question I wrote, um, even for myself, even if there's any areas in our lives, do we limit God's goodness into our life by our own expectations? Because I would highly encourage you to know the Lord. Yeah, man, we are so familiar with a God that we don't know very well in this country and in the, in the most of the world with a God we don't know very well, you know. But that's why you hear, the, you know, you hear a message, you hear these teachings about the Lord Jesus and his manifestation, and it makes you feel like you lost weight every time you hear them. Me too. I run listening to these things. Like when I hear just the stories of the Bible or when I read and I just read John 4, 3, John 8, you know, all these different things, I feel lighter when I read them than, I, than when I sat down to read them. Why? Because it's confronting the misconceptions that we've had about God that have been ingrained in us through our life, and He wants that burden off. His burden, His yoke, is, is easy in His light, y'all. Yeah, He is good. And I know that He would, that we would never um, place our expectations in a version of God that's not Him because it sabotages our life. That's what understanding is. It, understanding is seeing Him as He is, and that's where all breakthrough is. Because understanding is standing under. It is alignment with the Lord accurately, and it causes God to manifest in our life. And that's the goal. And so next year, you know, we're going to be incredible. You know, it's going to be the best year of our life. Even, as, even better than 2020 was. good year for me I don't know but so Lord we thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your consistency there's no variance or shadow in you Lord I ask that we would be the lights that manifest this reality of your goodness and kindness and the way you've covered mankind that we would let no unwholesome word proceed from our mouth nothing negative no backbiting, nothing, that our mouths would be so yielded to you that we speak positivity in life. We encourage those even that would see themselves as enemies. That we would become so in tune with heaven, the river of life, our, our roots would be planted in you, but that river would flow from us. And the fruit of your spirit would flow from us to everyone we encounter. We want to be the light, even in this city, individuals. And we want to be like a light that's a city on a hill as a house. So I thank you for, thank you for your word. I thank you for this year everything that you've added to us, the things that you've actually released us from, all the burdens, all the hindrances, the closures you've given us and that are bringing us through the healings of hearts and physical bodies that you have for us all to step into. 
We want to come into agreement with everything that is of you and is of heaven. Our expectations to be found in you. Amen.